the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nala. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. For those looking to take their market and business knowledge to the next level, we offer Magic Markets Premium, a research reports and podcast library that nearly has 100 reports in it and a new one every week, all available for just 99 Rand a month. Recent reports have included the likes of Kroger, Deer & Co, Foot Locker, McDonald's, UPS, Apple, Meta, Johnson & Johnson & Swatch. With broad variety and deep research, this is perfect for anyone looking to go to the next level. We invite you to join us in Magic Markets Premium. Go to magic-markets.com to subscribe. This episode of Magic Markets is brought to you by B2IT. Have you heard of Robotic Process Automation or RPA? It taps into the incredible potential of artificial intelligence to effortlessly handle those never-ending, monotonous tasks. Or as B2IT put it, they make robots so people don't have to be robots. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. We thank B2IT for their support of Magic Markets. Welcome to episode 153 of Magic Markets, brought to you by B2IT. Really thankful to them because they let us go and do these great shows where we get to cover two stocks, sometimes three stocks. I think last week we did a, we did a few more. And uh, this time we are firmly back into media and streaming and entertainment. I think a sector that's relatively close to our hearts, Mo, for a million different reasons, actually. I covered multi-choice this week and you've gone and had a squiz at Comcast. Yeah, Ghost, always love doing these shows. And and what's nice about them is that we can try and contrast whether they're two global stocks. In this instance, one South African stock versus a global stock. You're looking at multi-choice, so I'm looking at Comcast. And the reason I'm looking at Comcast is because there is a relationship between those two companies, which we will unpack in in the show. Uh, But this really, I mean, media, streaming, it's been so topical. We've covered a whole host of stocks in Magic Markets Premium. And again, if you're not a subscriber, for only 99 Rand a month, you can actually go and have a look at a library that actually covers over 100 stocks right now, global stocks with a lot of depth. So go and have a look at that. But you know, some of the stocks we've covered there were Netflix. We've covered Disney, which has been a pain trade for both you and I for quite some time. Uh, in fact, I'll touch a little bit about, about that in, in, in today's show. I don't want to steal too much of the thunder. But Ghost, if you don't mind, let me jump straight into Comcast with this week's show, because it might not be a name that's familiar to a lot of our South African listeners. So who is Comcast Corporation? Well, it's actually one of the largest global media and tech companies. Now, what does that look like? First and foremost, I would say, again, for a South African analogy, this would almost be a blend between a telecom. Uh, don't grimace. I can see you grimacing. There goes it's a, a blend between a telecom, maybe a Vodacom, and then maybe a multi-choice all rolled up into one. So it might not be directly comparable to multi-choice specifically as a business, but certain segments of their business are comparable. Now, in terms of the media side of the business, some of the brands that you might be familiar with would be NBC Universal. So Universal Studios, for example, has a strong, not just a a studios business, but also a parks and recreations business in there. You'd also be familiar with other brands like MSNBC or even CNBC, for example. And then their streaming offering, which is called Peacock. Now, for these specific reasons, like I say, when we go into it, I'll unpack 
maybe specifically just the media side of the business, but you can understand how this is in the US context. It's been one of those legacy businesses, which really grew up from being a telecoms play to saying, well, guess what? In telecoms, people consume a lot of media. How can we plug that into our ecosystem to try and actually get people to consume more of our data and our telecoms products? And that's really where it comes from. So up here in North America, for those of you not familiar, you often see this. So even in Canada, for example, if you have your cable, some people still have cable. If you have your cable with Rogers, Rogers also operates a mobile network. And then you also tend to buy your, and I'm going to use this term here, your linear TV or your linear programming, you know, the equivalent of satellite in South Africa. You will be buying that from a player like Comcast. So that's how all of these different parts come together. And it's perhaps why it's relevant in a discussion where you cover multi-choice. Yeah, absolutely. So let me maybe explain the link between the two. So the whole multi-choice vibe with Comcast is all around Showmax. And within Comcast, they've got this Peacock technology platform, which is their streaming platform now. Look, if you've ever suffered through the DSTV streaming technology, you'll know that streaming is not that straightforward. It feels like they've improved it recently. But when I first got DSTV stream, a couple of months ago, I was basically ripping my hair out. It was awful. So streaming technology is not that straightforward. Even, for example, Disney Plus, you know, I think they use a lot of the hot star technology in South Africa and it's garbage. Netflix is really, really good. So it does show this tech is not straightforward. And MultiChoice has done a deal with Comcast that basically says, let's work together to roll out streaming into MultiChoice's big footprint in sub-Saharan Africa. And it means that this new Showmax business will be owned around 70% by MultiChoice, 30% by NBC Universal. And I think something that's quite important here is Sky is also part of Comcast. And so this may well bring English Premier League football to the people in Africa. And that obviously is a big deal because Africa loves football. So let's not ignore that uh, opportunity. But, you know, the idea is not to focus on that necessarily today, but that's the reason we've chosen to do these companies together. So my first point around multi-choice is that it's actually quite interesting to note that we have the group numbers, which get all the attention on SENS, on the you know, JSE Stock Exchange News Service. But we also have numbers for multi-choice South Africa. Now, the reason we have them is because of the Patuminati BE deal, which gives you a direct holding in multi-choice South Africa. So that means if you go onto the Patuminati website, you will find financial statements, full set of financial statements just for the South African business, which is really interesting and unusual. Where you want to be in the structure is the South African business because that is the cash cow that funds the rest of the group. Because in the rest of the group, they have their operations in Africa where they have, for example, the big investment in the Showmax rollout. And streaming takes a long time for the economics to come right. They also have the Forex nightmares that have been plaguing the likes of MTN, NAMPAC as well. So the South African business needs to keep pushing cash up to the mothership. And Putuminati sits there with a direct shareholding in multi-choice South Africa. So they share in every dividend that gets pushed up from multi-choice South Africa to the group company. So that gives Putuminati quite a nice dividend stream, even though the South African business is also in a state of flux. And people do talk about whether or not it's a sunset business. At one point, I maybe thought so as well, but I'm starting to change my mind, actually. But the important opening point here is that there are two ways to play multi-choice. Putuminati is one of them. But of course, it's only open to you if you meet BE requirements. So purple ghosts are excluded, unfortunately, Mo. I, I find that so interesting because, you know, that context of the local multi-choice operation versus the, the what would be the growth story, right? The Africa growth story. Uh, it's just choosing where you operate in that value chain. I'll tell you why I say it's interesting because you've touched on another point, which is a, a sunset business, which is maybe not a sunset business. We don't often do a bull and bear box 
with these particular shows. That's something that we tend to reserve for Magic Markets Premium, where we unpack in detail the bull points, the bear points. I just want to touch on two specific points when it comes to Comcast, because you mentioned the sunset business and maybe focusing on the bear side, a lot of investors are just concerned that Comcast's business, even though they've got all of these cool new streaming operations and so forth, that the rump of the business is really exposed to the traditional linear TV model. And as consumers turn to these online alternatives, it's a much more competitive space nowadays. You've got Netflix, you've got Disney, you've got everyone really operating in that space. That comes up as a bit of a bear point on Comcast specifically. And then you've got to superimpose on that. You know, how well is their underlying their telecommunications business doing? But then on the bull side, you would argue that a, a an umbrella, and you're gonna you're gonna pardon this, it's not an umbrella, it's actually a peacock, right? But the umbrella that Comcast covers is really wide. I mean, we've touched on the likes of MSNBC, Universal, you know, Peacock is just their streaming platform. And what why is that a bull point? Is that it actually gives them access to great content. They've got this massive brand value of a, a mega network from a, a, a legacy story, the linear TV days. They've got this massive network that gives them access to really quality content. And what's interesting now is that they're plugging that into an international operation with the likes of a multi-choice deal. Now, that's not where I wanted to go with my second point. What I wanted to do with my second point is maybe look at the financial performance. Now, again, because we're covering multi-choice, I'm going to try and focus exclusively on the media side of the business. But before we do that, at a headline level, on its Q3 uh, results announcements, it was a reasonably strong performance. They actually managed to increase their revenue up to around $30 billion. And it's, it's a tepid increase. It's around a 1% increase. But the important point here is that the company is still very cash generative. So they generated around $4 billion in free cash flow. And then wait for it. They returned $4.7 billion to shareholders during the quarter. So going to your cash cow point that you just raised on, on, on multi-choice, now you can actually see that a lot of investors see this business as the cash cow and potentially the cash cow coming through more from the telecoms business, whilst the media businesses, the streaming businesses tend to actually suck in a lot of money. At a headline level, gross margins have been stable. And in fact, they were slightly higher. But the stock fell by around 10% on that earnings announcement. And the reason is that we actually saw a hit to net income. And this is largely because of the amount of debt that is sitting on the balance sheet. There's, there's a big interest overhang that comes through in Comcast. And this means that at a balance sheet level, the ability to invest in some of these really, let's call them, cash sync businesses, the streaming business will be curtailed by some of those economic realities. So let's look at those media businesses. First of all, we've mentioned Peacock as the streaming service. Some good news there is that they actually added 4 million paying subscribers in the quarter. And why do I say paying with an emphasis on paying? Is NBC Universal and Peacock were one of the first players in streaming to actually experiment with an ad-supported tier. So the fact that they've added paying subscribers this quarter, meaning that those subscribers have maybe opted in to say, we want less ads, we'll actually pay you for the service. And this led to a 60% revenue growth year on year in Peacock. So that's a fairly strong set of numbers. What does the rest of the business look like? Well, we've mentioned parks and studios. We know that the studios business also tending to be quite expensive, right? I mean, it sucks in a lot of money uh, because they own the studios. They are also responsible for generating some of the content. But I think the good news here 
was that they were behind one of the large box office hits this year, which was Oppenheimer. That grossed almost a billion dollars at the box office. And so the market's seeing that as a bit of a thumbs up for that particular segment of the business. And then lastly, the company quite excited in the earnings transcript around Zumo. That's X-U-M-O. I, I didn't know what this was, but when I went and I had a look at it, this is actually the company's free streaming service. So this is where they're trying to offer a variety of, of live and on-demand content. And what does this look like? How is it different from conventional streaming on demand? Is that you almost go onto a channel and then on that channel, they have different types of content. So it's a hybrid between linear TV or linear programming and streaming in that you can go on at any point in time to go and click on to a specific channel with curated content, but it's done or delivered using a, a platform similar to the streaming platform. And again, the company experimenting in this place, mainly because we don't know where the dust settles in this battle, this, these streaming wars. Uh, you've mentioned Sky, you've mentioned sports and advertising. The company acknowledging that they, they've seen some softness in the ad market, particularly on the linear programming side. And that is why the digital platforms like Peacock start to become quite important because a lot of these companies are experimenting with offering the sports content but via a streaming and on-demand model. And that's perhaps the next evolution that we see over the next year or two, not just from Comcast, but from a whole host of these competitors that operate in the space. Yeah, it's a big exciting world in the space overseas. And meanwhile, in South Africa, I'll give you another good example of a sunset company, certainly a joke, is Escom. And load shedding is obviously not helping anyone here because when the TV is off, it is harder to justify paying for it, right? My TV goes off tonight at eight and that will be that. Now, this also makes it a lot more difficult to get advertisers because advertisers require that really high end bit of technology called electricity in order to reach people, particularly when the economy is already suffering. So multi-choice South Africa is battening down the hatches and they are focusing on margins with initiatives like cutting off subscribers who were given special support during an initial load shedding campaign. I think it's adorable that MultiChoice did an initial load shedding campaign thinking it was a once-off. Subscriber numbers are really just a vanity metric though if they are not profitable. So 90-day active customers are down 5% in South Africa and 3% of it is because of that initiative. So actually not as bad as it looks. And there are still a lot of customers. They have 90-day actives at 8.6 million people just in South Africa and actives at 7.8 million. That's a lot of people. However, they are price sensitive. So something else I enjoyed in the multi-choice South Africa reporting was they talk about inflation-linked price increases of 4%. And the word linked is, used, is working very hard here. It takes one visit to the shops to learn that inflation is many things, but 4% is not one of them. So they are not managing to put through juicy increases because the customer base is not willing to accept them, bluntly. And even with that increase, average revenue per user actually fell 2%. Now, at first, this confused me because there's quite a bit of narrative about how their upper and middle tier subscriber numbers have been quite resilient. So in theory, that means average revenue per user or ARPU should surely be going up rather than down if it's lower income consumers who are falling away. Then I thought about it a bit more and I realized that I think the streaming offering is the reason for this because DSTV stream is cheaper than having premium with a decoder. And more and more people are just streaming now, right? Why would you get someone to come and put a satellite on the side of your house, especially if you're renting like I am? It's just not an option. There's no satellite here. This is a relatively new development. It's not possible, but I can stream because I have fiber. So I suspect that the switch to streaming is why ARPU is under pressure here. DSTV stream has more than tripled subscribers since March, 2023. 
Now, it's worth highlighting that 90% of DSTV stream subscribers are also newbies to DSTV. So maybe they are starting to hit an audience that they haven't been able to hit before. And I must say that does tie in with my experience among my peer group. It really does. So I think the proof here will be in how many people stick around with the Rugby World Cup now behind us. I really do think that a lot of people got DSTV for that reason. Let's see if they stick. That's going to be the key. And in my final point just now, I'll talk about why they might actually stick. Yeah, again, some, some interesting insight there, Ghost. I mean, we mentioned how globally, you know, these media companies haven't quite cracked it. Uh, obviously, the, the growth profile in subscriber numbers very different up in the US versus down in South Africa, where you've got, I want to say, this unique load shedding phenomenon. But, you know, that's very much an emerging market situation, unless you're sitting in Texas, where they also have an energy crises. Don't try um, and make me feel better, mate. <laughs> Don't, don't cover that. Just just sit there in Canada. Just enjoy the electricity graciously. Enjoying the electricity while it's snowing outside. But I, I want to go to my last point, Ghost. And again, I, I like to look at performance numbers. Now, I, I went and I had a look at year-to-date performance and one-year performance because they're more or less the same thing. We're almost done with the year. And how has Comcast actually fared versus some of the other big streaming players here you know and 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 to your point a lot of experimentation in this place a lot of sports players saying can you buy on a pay-per-view basis and maybe to your last point on on, on multi-choice there ghost you know do they stick around with the entire bundle if other operators are there saying hey you can just go and buy the formula one season directly from it's liberty media i believe that owns that that asset right if you can do that, well, if you're just buying DSTV, whether that's streaming or linear for Formula One, which in, in my case would be would, would be the interest, if I can go and do that directly, the 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 platform gets disintermediated. So that, that is a risk. But what does that look like in the US market? Well, on a year-to-date basis, if we look at Netflix, that's one that, that you've loved to hate, and then it's come through quite nicely recently. Netflix is the standout performer. So year-to-date, 62%, and I know I'm being naughty here, so I'll, I'll discuss how I'm being naughty, but it's up 62% year-to-date or over 70% on a one-year basis. Uh, in second place, we've actually got Comcast, which I, I must say I was a little surprised by because Comcast coming through with growth of around and much, much lower, 20%, both on a year-to-date and a one-year basis. You can see that come through. That's almost a third of what Netflix has done over the same time period. But then there are the laggards. And what do those laggards look like? Ghost, do you, do you want to take a guess uh, what's close to the bottom of our list on a year-to-date basis, I, li- I like throwing these questions to you. No, no, just tell me. Let me not. Let me not guess and definitely get it wrong. You're gonna. You would have guessed correctly on this one because it's Disney, right? Disney, the perpetual no, of course, disappointment. Of course, it is. Disney. The- I was just hoping it wasn't. <laughs> which surprisingly, on a year-to-date basis, is up, but only seven percent, which underperformed even Warner Brothers, which came through at thirteen percent on on a year-to-date basis. No, Dis- uh, Disney a- gives new meaning to buy and forget because that is what you will want to do. You will try hard to forget. What happened to you? When, when, you, buy when you buy the dip, you are the dip, right? On a one-year basis, Disney and Warner Brothers, the laggards, effectively flat, slightly slightly negative there. But I said, look, maybe it's unfair looking at this just over a one-year or year-to-date basis. What does a five-year story look like? So again, I'm looking to unseat Netflix, right? Because I know you don't like Netflix that much or you haven't in the past. Netflix on a five-year basis, up still around 67%. 67% versus Comcast at a very sluggish 11.5% over five years. This is not a KGA. This is the actual performance. So this is showing you how media has been such a tough, tough, tough business. And then wait for it. 
disappointment here. Uh, Ghost, I'll let you have it. It's not Disney in this instance. I, I should let you guess it was Disney, though. Not. Is it not Snow White and the Seven Dips? I don't believe <laughs> so, it. So Disney's still down around 18% on a five-year time period, but Warner Brothers coming through with a minus 65% over that time period. Now, you know, there's been a lot of moving bits in that particular business, but that's showing you how it's really been a tough space in the media space. So then I said, okay, in a final attempt to unseat Netflix from the number one position here, I'm going to go and pick the performance of Netflix from the peak in November 2021. <laughs> so Netflix from its peaks down 30%, Comcast down 20%, Disney, dismal. They should change the name. It's dismal. It's not Disney. Down 38%. So that's even worse than Netflix from its peak levels. And then Warner Brothers down around 60%. Like I say, really hard to, to, to overcome some of those. So that's just how this is stacked up. It's showing you how media has been a capital sink. These businesses have built their libraries, but it has cost an inordinate amount of money. And then Netflix showing you how that can actually turn around quite nicely recently. Because I think the difference with Netflix is they invested heavily upfront. They built this library. They seem to get a couple of things right. Their content slate has changed quite a bit. And then it dropped down into free cash flow reasonably quickly. Yes, we can exclude the, the, the share-based compensation point. I know that is a sore point, Ghost. Last point I want to raise here, Comcast coming all the way back does pay you a dividend of 2.7%. I know some of our listeners want to know what that looks like. It's 2.7%. But remember, in Comcast, you still have the underpin of the telecommunications business, which is the cash cow that they use to feed a lot of the rest of the group. So that's what it looks like, Ghost. I'm keen to hear your last point on multi-choice. Yeah, it's quite fun with the telecoms, right? That in the US, the telecoms have kind of gone the content route and in Africa, they've gone the banking route. Now, MTN and Vodacom have tried quite hard to turn your cell phone into a bank. Whereas in the US, you know, because they don't really have this whole unbanked population problem, they've rather focused on trying to own the content that you consume on your cell phone. I think the lesson from all of this is cell phones themselves, the telecoms companies are quite boring. And so they need to do some other cool stuff around that to actually make them interesting. That, of course, is not my final point. My final point, as I alluded to earlier, is how multi-choice South Africa may well hand on to its subscribers. And firstly, let's start with why they need to hand on to their subscribers. So this business is built around subscription revenue. That is the reality. In the six months to September, the group made total revenue of 20.3 billion rand. 13 and a half was subscription fees or roughly two thirds of the revenue base. Now, this is why these free-to-air stations will show you garbage like Anaconda for the 978th time, making you thankful for load shedding because they don't have this revenue source and so they can't actually buy decent content to show you. Programming and sub-licensing revenue at Multi-Choice South Africa is 2.9 billion rand, but that's get, that actually gets billed to other Multi-Choice companies, really. So I kind of strip that out of the revenue base and point out that actually subscription revenue is like three quarters of their genuine external revenue base. It's a big deal. The next largest, you would not be surprised to learn, is advertising at 1.5 billion rand versus 13.4 billion in subscriptions. And advertising showed almost no growth year on year. So before you think the advertising sounds a bit irrelevant, you know, why do they bother irritating people with ads to make 1.5 billion rand in revenue? You've got to remember that this drops almost straight to the bottom line because the TV is on anyway. So headline earnings of 3.7 billion Imagine if the advertising revenue of 1.5 wasn't around. Suddenly that headline earnings performance would not look anything like that. So the group relies on subscription revenue for its existence and advertisers for an economically appealing existence. So they have to hand on to subscribers. That's the reality. There's no getting away from it. So how are they going to do that? Now, historically, 
it's very much been about sport. Supersport is a world-class business. There's no debate here. South Africans are sport mad. We are generally quite good at everything except soccer. So people want to watch this stuff and they don't watch the local soccer. They watch the international stuff and they pay for the privilege. So sport's a big deal. And Supersport is actually doing some quite clever stuff in a business called Supersport Schools, which I think really is smart because school sport in South Africa is equally huge and there's nothing cooler than watching your 16-year-old play on TV. So I can understand that's a big business. But the really interesting thing is the amount of local content coming through. So Mo, you've been out of South Africa for a little while now, but there's quite a lot going on in terms of local movies and series. It's actually quite decent. You know, gone are the days where it was, you know, Leon Schuster jumping out of a box. We're actually talking about stuff you may actually want to watch and not embarrass yourself with. So Mnet is spending 50% of their general entertainment costs on local content. Now, obviously, that has a big benefit for the local economy. But also, why are they doing it? They're doing it because the stories resonate with South Africans. There's something very cool about watching something filmed in your city. You know, you suddenly feel like, hey, this is cool. I understand this. And their spend on local content is up 16% year on year. So they've got super sport. They've got local content. And this is the way they have to compete with the Netflixes of this world, the Disney Pluses. They've got the regional sports rights under wrap. You know, every now and again, there's a big wobbly about the national sports teams and should people be able to watch it for free on SABC, for example. But generally speaking, Supersports got it under wraps. And then this local content is actually a really big growth area. And that's where it's hard for Netflix. So we often hear them talking about their spend on regional content. So now Netflix is also creating content in South Africa. So the winner here is the South African storytelling industry, for want of a better description. People want stories. So if you can tell those stories and you have different platforms competing for you to tell those stories, suddenly you have an economy that is starting to get some juice in it, which is nice. So I think the winner here is not just the consumer, but also the entire local film industry, which I think is fantastic. I think that's that's great insight. And it's insight with a local flavor, right? It goes very much like Magic Markets, uh, where we're giving you global insights uh, with a local flavor. Uh, and we hope that these stories resonate with you as our as our listeners. Uh, and if you're not in Magic Markets Premium, go and check that out. It's only 99 Rand a month. But that's where we've got to leave it this week, Ghost. I think two interesting stocks, multi-choice. Uh, you've given me some 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 things to go and, and, and reflect on a little bit with multi-choice. I haven't been looking at that for, for some time. Uh, but you've raised some very compelling and interesting points, which are maybe contra to the prevailing bearish view. Uh, and I hope that, you know, I've imparted some wisdom with regards to Comcast, where that sits in the value chain and what's happening in the global media space. Let us know what you think, though, as our listeners. Hit us up on social media. It's at Magic Markets Pod, one word on X. It's at Finance Ghost and at Mohamed Nalla. Or go and find us on, on LinkedIn and pop us a note on there. We hope you've enjoyed this. And until next week, same time, same place. Thanks and cheers. Ciao. We thank our sponsor, B2IT, for making this show possible. B2IT is all about making life easier, one robot at a time. If you hate it, automate it. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor 